Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stack in the Box. I am Matt Verham. I am not joined by Josh Hill this week. He could not make it. I am recording on a Tuesday evening, and Mr. Hill worked earlier in the day. We apologize for getting this out so late. I was basically on my deathbed throughout the weekend. A brutal, borderline flu-like situation went through the Verham household. My poor wife slept on the bathroom floor one night, and then I paid the price the following evening. So... It's uh, been a little rough. I was out sick on Monday. That's why this is getting up so late. Uh, but it, it kind of works out because the trade deadline was 4 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday afternoon. And there were some trades, and, and I'll get to them. Um, I think the biggest one was the Golden Tate to the Eagles trade. Look, the, the Eagles give up a third-round pick. They get Tate. Tate's a free agent at the end of the year. He's on pace for well over 1,000 yards. Uh, you know, he's not out of the realm of 8 to 10 touchdowns. Golden Tate is a really good player. And the Lions got rid of him because they weren't going to re-sign him. Kenny Galladay is turning into a pretty good player for them now in his second year in Detroit. And so I think they're looking and saying, well, we have him, we have Marvin Jones, who's already expensive, and we're paying a mint for Matthew Stafford, so we're going to look to upgrade other areas of our team, specifically the defense, uh, with the money that they won't be using on Golden Tate. I don't mind the trade for the Lions, except for the fact they traded for Damon Harrison a week ago. And if you're going to trade for Harrison and take on his salary and give up a draft pick, then what are you doing? If your organizational thought is that you're going for it, well, then go for it. And if your organizational thought is that, well, we're not going to go for it because we're not good enough, well, then fine. But then why are you bringing in Damon Harrison? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I'm, I'm confused on where the Lions are going long term. In a vacuum, I thought the trade with Tate was fine. You're going to get a third-round comp pick for him. Instead, you say, look – Let's not wait for the comp pick. Let's get it this year. Let's move up, even if it's 10 spots, instead of being at the very, very end of the third round. Now you're you know, toward the middle, late portion of it, depending on where Philadelphia ends up. So I don't mind it from that standpoint. Now, for Philadelphia, I love it. Look, the Eagles are probably going to let them walk at the end of the year. They have all kinds of cap problems, and they're going to get a third-round comp pick. So, okay, you give up a third this year, but you're going to get one come 2020, maybe, you know, again, 10 to 12 to 15 spots later. That's okay. 
when you have Carson Wentz and you have this good defense, you're going to take a shot like that. There's, there's no issue in it. So I get where Philadelphia is coming from, and I think it was the right decision. And I think he's going to help them eventually win the NFC East. Uh, I think they overtake Washington at some point. That said, um, they got to start moving. And I think Roseman knows it, and that's why they went out and they got Tate. So good on them. I like to move a lot. For the Marys Thomas trade, uh, I'll be brief on. Look, I think for Denver to win, you got to get rid of him. Not because Thomas isn't a decent player anymore, but he's not who he once was. He's not worth the $17.5 million cap hit that he's going to have next year. If you're the Broncos, you got to go with Cortland Sutton, who's a rookie at SMU. He's looked good in some limited action. They got Deshaun Hamilton, another rookie out of Penn State. You want to maybe move him onto the field and they go three wide. If you're the Broncos, you have to get younger. You have to get a little cheaper. You've got to start to rebuild this thing a little bit. And I think that's kind of where we're at here if you're the Broncos. You need to start moving forward, realizing, look, at some point, at any point down the road, you've got to say, we're not going to win with Case Keenum. We're not going to win with an aging defense and an offensive line that's paper mache. So you trade Thomas, you get a fourth-round pick, that's fine, you move forward. And if you're Houston, Will Fuller's out with a torn ACL. It makes a lot of sense to go out and get another receiver who can help you out. They are projected to have a whopping $91 million in cap space, according to OverTheCap.com, next season. Eating Thomas is $17.5 million. Big deal. Who cares? It's fine. Gave a fourth-round pick. Getting Thomas, while he's not the same type of receiver as Fuller, Fuller's the ultimate deep threat. Thomas is much more of a possession receiver at this point. But he is a huge upgrade over anybody else in that roster. And next year, now you got a good three-wide set. So I like to deal on both sides. I think it's a win for Houston in the short term and potentially the long term. And I think it's a win for Denver uh, as well. The other trades that happened, um, look, I'll be blunt with this. I don't understand why people are so excited that the Rams got Dante Fowler Jr. I get he had eight sacks last year. He's a pure pass rusher. He's not a guy who's going to help you against the run. He's not going to cover in, in, in you know, dropping back and playing against a tight end or a back. I, I get it. They got him to come off the edge and create some havoc. And that's fine. They've been lacking in that department. But to give up a third and a fifth for a guy who's going to be a free agent next year has 14 career sacks, I just don't understand that. Like, Dante Fowler Jr. came out of Florida as a third overall pick. I believe it was third. might have been the fourth. 2015 is his rookie year. He tears his ACL first day of practice out for the year. The next year comes back, has a minimal impact, plays about half the snaps, doesn't do anything special. Then when he's surrounded by everybody and their mother on Jacksonville's defense last year, guys like Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell and Miles Jack and Telvin Smith and Marshall Doris, and that's just the front seven. Then all of a sudden, oh, hey, look at that. He had a pretty good year. Yeah, well, he should. He's getting single coverage the single team the entire time now he's going to get that single team again in Los Angeles so there's a reason the Rams like him and identified him as a player I just don't know looking at his track record that he's going to be a big difference maker for the Rams I still think the Rams are the best team in football I don't like to trade for them maybe they'll prove me wrong Jacksonville I think it's a steal they were going to let him walk anyway a third and a fifth no question you take that deal any time of the day uh, or a week for Jacksonville so good on them and then the final trade that happened, the Packers giving away HaHa Clinton Dix. We're not even going to talk about Ty Montgomery. He doesn't matter. Um, I'm sorry, Baltimore fans, but Ty Montgomery is not going to be the difference. Uh, if he is, I, I will eat an enormous plate of crow. I will be shocked if he makes any tangible difference for the Ravens this year. But the Packers traded a pretty solid, I wouldn't say you know, even good, but he's a solid player in HaHa Clinton Dix. They traded him for a fourth-round pick to the Redskins. 
Uh, the Redskins are trying to make the playoffs, trying to make a little bit of a move, and they're willing to give up the fourth rounder. They, they figure they might get something back for him as a comp pick later on down the line. I get it. I understand it. Look, Clinton Dix, a lot of people nationally love him. A lot of people you talk to in Green Bay are not huge fans of him. Uh, I know some people in, who, who follow the team closely who are you know, related to the team and not big on ha-ha Clinton Dix. I think they were more than ready to see him win. Okay, so for the Redskins, not a bad trade. You're taking a flyer on a guy who's got some obvious talent. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, you're out of fourth-round picks. Not the end of the world. And if you're the Packers, you get a fourth-round pick. Uh, and uh, Brian Gutekunst has done a great job there in his short tenure. So I think if you're the Packers, you have to trust him. Although it's always weird to see a team with Aaron Rodgers borderline selling midway through the year. But I think they believe they can be better without Clinton Dix, maybe thinking he's a little bit of a distraction at this point. Um, we'll see how that goes. The other thing I want to get to before we get to all the Week 9 games, and of course, as always, we'll go over them. Well, I'll go over them this week. We'll talk about the lines and make a prediction. Um, but Week 9, we'll wait for a moment because Hugh Jackson fired. Todd Haley also fired, kind of more shockingly. I don't understand why the Browns didn't just wait one more week when it was going to be their bye week. They have the Chiefs coming in on Sunday. We'll get to that game momentarily. But then they have a bye, and you just say, why not prepare for Kansas City for the full week with your full complement of coaches? And then, okay, fine. You want to move on? Nobody's blaming you. Okay. Hill and I have been screaming that Hugh Jackson's an abomination of a head coach for a year and a half, okay? You got no issue coming from me that they should move on from Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson was terrible, okay? But going from Hugh Jackson to Greg Williams and a staff that is woefully unprepared to take on the most high-flying offense in a, in a decade, not great. Not, not the move I would make here. Todd Kitchens, God bless the guy coming in as the offensive coordinator. Look, that, that is going to take more than a week to fix they don't throw the ball down the field. They have no ability to check at the line of scrimmage, or at least they don't allow that ability. The Browns have major issues. They're not going to fix this overnight. Now, look, if you're the Chiefs, just make you a little worried that they got a new head coach? Ah, maybe a little, you know. Maybe the Browns are a little bit more creative than they've been. Hard not to be with the way Hughes has been running that team. I don't like that they got rid of Haley, but I understand, look, if it was toxic, it was toxic. You had to move on, and so uh, the Browns do – the reason I even bring this up is, I, look, I think everybody's on board to get rid of Hugh Jackson. The reason I bring it up is I think you've reached the point here where if you're the Browns, 20 years of this nonsense and counting is more than enough, okay? This all hinges on making Baker Mayfield work. If Baker Mayfield doesn't work, nothing works in Cleveland for the next couple of years. It's impossible to go down this road again. You cannot let everybody go down this road, get fired again, including John Dorsey, and you bring everybody back. They've got to make Mayfield work, and to that end, bring in Lincoln Riley out of Oklahoma. I don't care what they have to pay him, what they've got to do, how they've got to woo him. It doesn't matter. You ride the rest of this year out with Greg Williams. You have the handshake deal with Riley that when his season comes to an end with Oklahoma, you bring him in. Because there is no way in hell they can justify going with a defensive-minded head coach, going with a guy who's got an older antiquated system, okay? They need to bring in a guy who's going to take Mayfield to the next level. And if Lincoln Riley can't do it after his intimate knowledge of Baker Mayfield, then you know what? 
Baker Mayfield's probably more of the problem than he is the solution. I don't know if you're the Browns, how you do anything else. I really, Unless Riley just flat out refuses and will not go there, I don't understand how you don't make the move to bring in Riley. Everybody in the league thinks Riley is going to be a big-time coach down the line here. And he's a young guy. He's 35 years old. Like, it's... It's a beautiful marriage. If he comes in and he works a la Sean McVay, you've got a coach for 30 years. And you got a marriage with Mayfield for the next 15. Like, Lincoln Riley has to be the guy in Cleveland unless he flat out unequivocally will not go there. If he will go there, if he will even entertain the idea, Haslam's got to get him there. And Haslam's got to throw so much money at him that he basically can't entertain the idea of not coming. With that all being said, let's go to the weeknight games. Now let's start out as we always do with the Thursday night game, and my God, what an atrocity this is. The, the Raiders at the Niners. Now, there's 13 games this week, 16 teams on a bye. We're going to start to spend more time on the games that matter, and that's, you know, I hope anybody who's a fan of a team that's out of the race can understand that a little bit. We're still going to touch on everyone, still going to make predictions, but we're going to go quicker through those other games because, frankly, we're not talking about draft position. We'll get to that kind of stuff after this Super Bowl. Okay, and the Raiders and the Niners, my God, it's about draft position. They're both terrible. They're both one-win teams. The Niners just got swept by the Cardinals. They're 1-7. The Raiders are 1-6. They gave up 42 points at home to, to the Colts and a loss. It, it sounds like C.J. Beathard might not play in this game. He's having a hard time gripping the football. He's got a hand injury. Might be the Nick Mullins show. Uh, look, the, the Niners are favored by three, but if, but if Mullins is playing... I just, I cannot believe the Raiders are going to lose this game. Uh, if for no other reason, because I just think Derek Carr against Nick Mullins, I mean, Carr's not great, but my goodness. I mean, he, he's got to be able to beat Nick Mullins, right? If not, he's just going to him at the 50-yard line after the game. I'm going to take the Raiders. The Niners are just so unbelievably in the tank with all their injuries. They got beat twice by the Cardinals, who I think right now are the Bills are the worst team in football. The Raiders are terrible. In fact, I looked at their schedule earlier. This might be the last time I pick them to win a game. But they, they very well might be a two-win, three-win team. But give me Oakland. Look, and it's got to be said, and this isn't the harp on this, but like when you look at the two coaches involved here, you know, I've, I've seen some smoke this week. That Shanahan should be in the hot seat. Kyle Shanahan should not be in the hot seat. Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt. He's out for the year. He's got a torn ACL, as everybody knows. Look. They have, the second he went down, their season went up in flames, okay? There have been a million injuries. Jared McKinnon, another one who they signed to a big contract as a running back in the offseason, towards ACL and camp. You're, you're not going to win like that. When Garoppolo goes down, you're sitting there with C.J. Beathard. I got news for you. If Sean McVay had C.J. Beathard, they'd be going 6-10, and 10, okay? Like, Kyle Shanahan's not the problem with the Niners. In fact, he's, he's ultimately going to be the solution. You want, to know, you want to know what a problem coach looks like? Look across the bay, and in this case, the sideline. Or look across the field, rather. John Gruden is a disaster of a head coach. And Hill and I have spent plenty of time on this, so I'm not going to just go on and on about it. But Gruden's been a nightmare. That team is so ill-equipped. It's so unprepared. You look at the snap counts. Guys play 50 snaps one week. They play none the next, and they play 50 the next week. You want to get a team to quit on you? That's how you do it. If you're consistent and you give a message to a team, 
they will listen to you at least for a short amount of time. Now, if it is proven over a year, year and a half, you just have no idea what you're doing. Of course, you know, people aren't dumb. They're going to tune out. But teams will listen to you seven games. I mean, there's already talk that the Raiders are just out on. You probably know Progressive Insurance for insuring your home and auto. You may know Flo and Dr. Rick. But what you may not know is that Progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees, and our employees are committed to helping others. Anyway, we just wanted to share. We were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves. And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates based on data from May 2020 through April 2021. Gruden is a locker room. Seven games in. You only do that by just throwing guys under the bus and screwing around with them mentally. And that's what Gruden has done. And that's why I think this team wins two, maybe three games all year long. But I think they win this game if Mullins plays. If Beathard plays, give me the Niners. But I, I don't think he will. Moving to Sunday, we'll start with the Chiefs and the Browns since we already talked about the Browns extensively. The Chiefs are favored by eight and a half points in this game. Uh, oh, and by the way, obviously, with the Raiders, I would pick them to cover if they win. They're plus three. The Niners are a field goal favorite. If Bethard plays, I'd take them to cover and win. So it really relies on the quarterback. Chiefs, eight-and-a-half-point favorite over the Browns on the road. Uh, look, the Chiefs were not overly impressive by their standards on Sunday. They beat the Broncos. It's kind of a whole-home game. Uh, they improved the 7-1, best record in the AFC. I get the whole dynamic of the Browns are changing coaches. It's a trap game. They're going to want to prove their worth. I even saw a statistic: the teams that have the last fourteen teams that have fired a head coach in the middle of the season are seven and seven. Uh, you know, and prior to that, had like a two eighty winning percentage. So I get it; it motivates people. I want to give credit. I think it was Gary McKenzie over at Arrowhead Pride tweeted that out. I get all that, but the Browns just aren't good enough to beat the Chiefs. I, I mean, unless the Chiefs have a game where they just turn the ball over four or five times, Cleveland just can't score. And I don't care who's calling the place. Todd Kitchens, Todd Haley, Todd Van Poppel. It doesn't matter. Like The the Browns just don't have an offense. Jarvis Landry's having a decent year. There's nobody else who's even on pace for 750 receiving yards. Everybody talks about David Njoku like he's killing Winslow Sr. And I've never seen it. He's athletic, but where are the numbers? Mayfield looks like a rookie. He struggles at times. Okay, I think he's going to be a good player, but he's not been this year. The Browns road to success in this game, is continuing to get a lot of turnovers. They lead the league in them. And Nick Chubb run the ball 30 times. If they don't if they don't win the turnover margin by three and they don't run the ball 30-plus times, they have no chance in this game. Give me the Chiefs. I'll swallow the eight and a half. The Chiefs are just too prolific offensively. I think it's something like 34 to 20. Uh, I just think Kansas City finds a way. Uh, I think, in fact, some ways, the, the coaching shakeup in Cleveland, I think, caught the Chiefs' attention. So... Take that for what you will. I think the Chiefs win going away in this one. On the NFC side, uh, an interesting game. The Redskins are favored against the Falcons. Uh, one and a half points at home, the Redskins. Uh, listen, the Falcons coming off a of bye week, they're three and four. The Redskins, five and two. They beat the Giants, so also coming off a of bye week. And really, in essence, this is a tough game to pick because the Falcons are really talented offensively. They got a million injuries defensively, but I'm not sure if the Redskins could take advantage of it because Alex Smith. As everybody's heard 8,000 times, not a guy who's going to go down the field. The Redskins don't have the talent to go down the field. He's very much a game manager. That all said, the Redskins are playing really good football right now. Peterson, Adrian Peterson, is rushing the daylights out of the ball. I will eat crow on that. I thought Peterson would, would be 
just absolutely a waste of a roster spot. He's been great. He's on pace for 1,500 yards rushing. The Falcons have been up and down this year. I don't trust him nearly as much away from home as I do indoors, especially as it gets colder outside. I like the Redskins to win this game. Wouldn't be shocked if the Falcons won. Falcons kind of playing for the lives in this game. But I like Washington. Alex Smith always seems to find a way to win. Defensive line's really good. Back seven, playing decent ball behind them. I like what I see, and I'm going to take the Redskins and swallow one and a half. The Bears on the road against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills coming off of what almost looked like it could be an upset in the fourth quarter against New England, and then by the end of the game, it was a train wreck as we all thought it would be from the start. The Bears are nine and a half point favorites on the road. That line is ballooned because Nathan Peterman's going to start. And I got to tell you, if you haven't seen Nathan Peterman, I understand why that line ballooned. Nathan Peterman might be the worst quarterback in NFL history. And that is not hyperbole. That is not an overstatement. That is honest to God, he might be the worst quarterback in NFL history. And if you think, oh, come on, that's crazy. There have been so many quarterbacks in NFL history. How could he possibly be the worst? Let me tell you something, okay? Nathan Peterman has thrown nine picks in his career. He's been on the team for two years. He has played in four games, and he's thrown nine picks. And that includes, by the way, the Monday night game we played like two snaps. Okay? He's started two games in his NFL career, nine picks, just in case you missed that statistic, 45.7% completion rate. He blows I'm not a big fan of the Bears getting a huge line. I don't trust them. I did pick them not to cover against the Jets. They they handled business there. I got to pick them to cover again. I know I've already picked a couple of big spreads to cover with the Chiefs and now the Bears, but I just, I'm sorry. You're going to tell me that Peterman against that defense is covering nine and a half? If the Bears score 13 points, they're going to cover it. I get the games in Buffalo, but man, the Bills have the worst offensive personnel in the league. I don't see it. So give me the Bears who, by the way, lead the NFC North. Okay, they're 4-3. If they win this game, they're 5-3. Halfway through the year, the Packers just trade off a couple of guys. The Vikings, I think, are still the best team in that division, but they, they can't seem to quite get it going. They can't seem to quite put it together. You wonder just what's going on there. Now, keep in mind, though, here with the Bears. They better make hay now, okay? Because their stretch at the end of the year, their last four games, Rams at home, Packers at home, at Niners, at Vikings. Niners are easy, fair enough. Those other three games, I know two of them are at home. Not going to be simple tasks, okay? But I like the Bears in this game. I think they get the 5-3. Staying in the NFC North, Detroit at Minnesota. Minnesota is a five-point favorite in the game. Uh, Look, the Vikings are really talented. You, you go across the board defensively. they got all pros, pro bowlers, everywhere you look. Zimmer's a terrific coach. The Lions just traded Golden Tate. But these games are always weird. The Lions swept them last year. I, I know the Vikings are – excuse me, they split last year. My mistake. But the, the Lions beat them in, in Minnesota. These teams are just always strange. There's always some kind of wrinkle to these games you never expect. I'm going to take the Vikings to win, but the Lions to cover, and here's why. 
I think Kirk Cousins is good. And I think he's worth the money he's getting paid. And I think Adam Thielen is great. And Stephon Diggs is really, really good. But I don't trust Minnesota to close out a game by putting their foot on the other team's throat from an offensive standpoint. What I mean by that is when the Rams get a lead on somebody, you know, they don't backslide. They bury the other team. Kansas City this year, when it's gotten a lead like we saw against the Bengals a few weeks ago, they bury these teams. They just keep scoring. The Vikings have these weird malaise stretches where they, they don't do anything for three series. They have a stupid turnover. They let a team back in. I think the Vikings win because I think the Lions are signaling that they're waving the white flag with the Tay trade. Don't think that's lost on the players. And I just think the Vikings are more talented than their home team. They, they're coming off a loss. That's another reason. I think, I think they win the game. I think they get the 5-3-1. and one, And they better. Because if they lose this game, they're in real danger of missing the playoffs. And that would be a crusher for a team that had Super Bowl aspirations coming into the season. Over in the AFC, an AFC East battle, the Jets at the Dolphins. Who wants to talk about this game? Nobody. Dolphins favored by three points. Uh, very simple. I think the Dolphins went they're at home. They already beat the Jets. To be fair, I beat them on the road. Uh, no idea if Tannehill's going to play. Haven't gotten any indication that he will. I have no belief in Brock Osweiler. I think he's terrible. Sam Darnold has not been good this year. Uh, you can argue, well... There's a lot of factors for that. I think there are. They need more playmakers. They've got some guys injured, but the Jets simply just don't have enough guys. I mean, it's just, there's nobody going to throw a ball to. Okay, and before I get emails and, and tweets about Robbie Anderson, it's not like Robbie Anderson. He's got 314 yards this year. I mean, let's not go nuts. Okay, Robbie Anderson on a good team is maybe a number two. He's probably number three. Darnold this year, completing 55% his throws, 6.8 yards in attempt, 11 touchdowns, 10 picks. All those numbers stick. And I like Darnold. I think he's going to – I still believe he's going to be the best quarterback out of that class. Felt that way going into the draft. I think the Jets made the right pick with him. But right now, it's, it's not working out. They have nobody to help them out. I think the Dolphins win this game, and they continue to annoy everybody. It's this team that you have to kind of put in a playoff picture, you know, at 5-4, and four, even though everybody knows they're not good. Uh, so I'll leave it at that. This game is a very interesting game on the schedule. AFC North, Steelers at the Ravens. Now, this game also shows how quickly things change. The Ravens beat the Steelers back in week four. It dropped the Steelers to 1-2-1. Two, and one. It was a Sunday night game at Heinz Field. Steelers fell to 1-2-1. Two, and one. Ravens went to 3-1. and one. Ravens eventually went... Four and two with a game where they shut the Titans out on the road. They had 11 sacks. Everybody's buzzing. Best defense in football. They're a top five team, so on and so forth. I never bought that hype because I don't believe in their offense. The Ravens have gotten beat the last two weeks. They could have beat the Saints. Couldn't get it done. Gave up 17 fourth quarter points. They gave up 36 points to the Panthers, doing a large part to Joe Flacco being Joe Flacco and throwing three picks. Here's my point on the Ravens before I get to the Steelers here. You can play all the great defense in 2018 that you want in the NFL. You better be able to score. And that game against the Saints a week ago proved it. They, the Ravens, that being, had not given up a touchdown in the first six games of the regular season in the second half. Okay? They gave up 17 points in the fourth quarter against the Saints. Why? Because the Saints have really good offense. That's why. And because in today's football, a great offense beats a great defense. It just does. If you don't believe me... 
go to the Super Bowl last year. Now, I know the Pats lost to the Eagles, who had the far superior defense. The Pats didn't punt and racked up 600 yards of offense in 20 minutes of time of possession. The reason the Eagles won that game had nothing to do with their defense. It had everything to do with the fact that their offense went, went absolutely berserk and scored 40-plus points. Now, on the Steelers' side of things, the Steelers lost that game, as I mentioned, went to 1-2-1, and one, haven't lost since, okay? The 3-0 since with a bye mixed in there. This is a huge game for both teams. Baltimore wins this game. They go to 5-4. Pittsburgh's 4-3-1. Pittsburgh stays ahead on percentage points, but the Ravens have swept the season series. You're the Ravens. All of a sudden, you feel good again. Okay, we had a two-game blip there, but hey, we win here. We're all right. Pittsburgh wins. I think this division, by and large, is over because I don't believe Cincinnati can win the division. I don't. I think they're getting swept by Pittsburgh. Cincinnati's got a lot of tough games left on the slate. Uh, you know, I should, excuse me, I shouldn't say they have a lot of tough games left on the slate. Their schedule is actually palatable. But they, they're going to get swept by Pittsburgh. And I just don't think they're going to be good enough to catch up to them. If Baltimore loses this game, I'm completely out on the Ravens as far as uh, making one of the division. Now, the Ravens' schedule going forward after this game, it's not getting any easier, okay? They just lost the Saints and the Panthers. Now they have the Steelers at home. Then they have the Bengals at home. Then they do get the Raiders. Okay, so this is the start of a three-game home stand the Raiders are also at home. But then, at Atlanta, at Kansas City, home to the Bucks, at the Chargers. The Ravens are not going to the playoffs if they lose this game. Because they're, they're probably not winning at Arrowhead. They're going to be hard-pressed to beat the Chargers on the road. That's six losses, even if they beat the Steelers. They lose another game in there, which they could. They get the Bengals. They got out Atlanta. Eh, you're starting to get toward that, yeah, we might lose seven games. And look, the, the wildcard teams in the AFC, believe it or not, are going to have to win ten games. The Chargers are going to win ten games. Okay? And when you look at Cincinnati, Cincinnati's already got five wins. And Cincinnati's schedule moving forward, as I mentioned, palatable. Look, they got the Saints uh, when they come off the bye, because they're on a bye this week. Then they got the Saints and at the Ravens. It's a tough games right there. Home to the Browns and Broncos. Home to the Raiders later on. They got the Browns again. I mean, if, if they just take care of business in those games, that's nine. If they win one other game at the Chargers, at the Steelers, at the Ravens, home to the Saints, if they win one of those, it's ten. And I'm not the biggest Bengals fan on the face of the earth, but they're talented enough to win one of those games. So, huge game for the Ravens. And I am gonna, I'm going to take the Ravens to win. I think the Steelers are the slightly better team, but the Ravens need it more. They're at home. They're desperate. I think they find a way in a must-win situation to get the job done. Tampa Bay at Carolina. Tampa Bay's rolling with Fitzpatrick. We all missed out with this because Hill would have given us an all-time rant on Winston. Uh, but I'll, I'll do my best in honor of, of Hill's absence here. By the way, Panthers favored by a touchdown this game in Carolina. Jameis Winston needs to be benched permanently by Tampa Bay. This can't be one of these things where Fitzpatrick's not good at halftime. They go back to him. I get Cutter's coaching for his job. They didn't trade Deshaun Jackson because they feel like they're in win-now mode. They're in win-now mode because everybody in that building's getting fired if they don't win right now. Okay? But they they are not in win-now mode in any realistic form. Okay. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. 
We did it. We time traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Okay, they're just simply not good enough to win now. But Fitzpatrick is at least a guy that the team likes, the teammates buy into. He's frankly a better quarterback than Winston. You got to roll with him. You got to give him a shot. I think the Bucks' offense is explosive. Look, you're going to get some turnovers with Fitzpatrick, but hell, you're going to get a million of them with Winston. You might as well go with the guy the team believes in. So, look, I- I'm all for starting with Fitzy here. Now, the-, the problem for them is I don't think they're just good enough to be Carolina. I think they'll cover. I don't think they'll win. Um, the Panthers are really good. And I, I've been critical. Hill and I, I feel like we talk about them every week when we say the same thing. Well, you know, we don't always know how to feel about the Panthers. I'm in on the Panthers. I think the Panthers are, are really solid. Newton has always been a guy I've struggled with because I think he's a great athlete. I think he's a very tough quarterback to prepare for. But I think there are times where he leaves a lot of throws on the field. Norv Turner has been a really good fit for him. He is completing... Over 65% of his throws is the best he's ever done in his career. He's efficient. He's, he's played smart. McCaffrey's taking the next step into stardom. He's been terrific. I like the Panthers a lot. I think they win this game. They get on a nice roll here. And then they go next next Thursday to play at Pittsburgh. That is going to be a fascinating game. Okay, and we'll get that obviously next week. Uh, presuming I'm not on my deathbed again, we'll actually do this podcast on Sunday nights. So we'll hit that right away. But giving the Panthers in this game... Uh, not going away. I think the ba- I think a backdoor covers in play, but I, I think that ultimately, yes, uh, a win for the Panthers. Now moving on, we got three four o'clock games on the slate. Houston is at Denver in this game. Houston's a team that's won five straight. Obviously, these two teams made a trade. Talked about earlier with Marius Thomas going from Denver to Houston. Denver is favored by a point and a half. Denver's three and five. Houston's five and three. That tells you all you need to know what Vegas thinks about in terms of the Texans and their five-game win streak. And I am in lockstep with Vegas here. I do not trust the Texans. They have beaten a bunch of nobody teams. Uh, look, five wins in, in a row in the NFL is hard. I'm not taking away from them. But I just have – when you look at the wins, okay, let's go itemized. The Colts should have been a tie game. The Colts went for it in overtime, their own side of the field, and, and missed and gave up the easiest field goal ever. Next game is in overtime against Dallas on Sunday night. The Cowboys have fourth and a foot at the 42-yard line. Don't go for it uh, in perplexing fashion. The Texans get the ball back. They win. They beat the Bills at home. They need a pick six off of Nathan Peterman to do it. Okay? They beat Jacksonville on the road. Jacksonville bench Bortles in the middle of that game. He's been such an atrocity. They had no other choice. And then the Dolphins on a short week with Osweiler in there. I mean, look, is there an impressive win in that? I don't think so. Here's the good news. You're a Houston fan. Here's the upcoming schedule for them. At Denver, at Washington, which neither one is easy. Okay, Denver on the road is never easy. Then you have a three-game homestand from heaven. The Titans, the Browns, and the Colts, followed by the Jets on the road. You probably need nine wins to win this division. Guess what? You're going to get nine wins by that Jets game. So, I think Houston will be fine. I think Denver's going to win this game, though. I really do. I think Denver's going to win. Denver's played tough all throughout the year. They've lost twice to the Chiefs. They've played them tough, very tough both times. 
They played the Rams very tough. They lost that game. The, the Broncos aren't losing to bad teams. They beat Seattle earlier in the year. Okay, they, they handled business against the Raiders. That was probably the ugliest game they played all year long. Uh, they lost to Baltimore on the road in a game they were in. Kind of got away from them as it wore on. Their biggest problem has been the turnovers. But I like Denver in this game. I think Denver finds a way to get the job done at home. Kind of keep that season on life support. Texans can't win every single game. I think this is a tough spot. I think Denver ready and waiting for him a little bit here. I think Denver wins. I don't think it's a blowout. I think it's a close game, three, four-point game. But give me Denver at home to take down the Texans. Now, we get to two really good games before a great game on Sunday night. The Chargers are at Seattle. Now, Seattle, I think most people believe, is not going to be good this year. God knows I was at the front of that line. But the Seahawks have won three in a row. They just beat the Lions 28-14. to Wilson's out here throwing the ball 17 times. He threw for like 330 yards and three touchdowns. He was great against Detroit. The Chargers are off a bye, but Seattle's at home. Joey Bosa, a lot of people thought he wouldn't be playing this week. Well, he's not going to be playing this week. I like Seattle in this game. Seattle is a very good home team, has been ever since Russell Wilson's been there. Everybody knows, a to- a, yeah, I can't say the word, a notorious place to play. Very, very loud. Chargers aren't used to that because they have 12 fans. So I think it's a, a tough spot for the Chargers in this game. I think Seattle also knows they got to win because the NFC, not nearly as competitive as everybody thought. The Seahawks right now, believe it or not, at 4-3 or the 6 seed. Uh, but their schedule is absolutely rough the rest of the way. Chargers at the Rams, Packers at the Panthers, Niners, Vikings at the Niners, home to the Chiefs, home to the Cardinals. Now, you do get the Niners and Cardinals in there three times. All those other teams, every single one of them is playoff caliber. That is a lot, a lot to ask of your team. And So if you're Seattle, this kind of a 50-50 game here, you got to find a way, and I think they do. I think they find a way to win this game. The Chargers have been playing well, but look, narratives are funny in the NFL, okay? The Chargers were up by one point against the Titans in London a week and a half ago, and the Titans elect to go for two. They don't get it. They get a penalty. The Titans are the ball on the one-yard line, and like dopes, throw the ball instead of running it. They're a power run team from heaven, but they throw it because they try to get cute. Doesn't work out. What happens if the Titans score there? The Chargers are 4-3, and three, and all of a sudden, everybody's saying, geez, I, I don't know. The Chargers, another, another year, they're wasting potential. I like Seattle in this game. Seattle's playing good football. They've won 4-5. I like them to continue that as they head for a showdown in Los Angeles with the Rams. Wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers win, but I think Seattle gets the job done. This is one of those things where give me the home team with the good quarterback. I think they find a way to get it done. Last 4 o'clock game of the day and the best game of the week. The Rams are at the Saints. The Saints favored by a point and a half. I love the way the Saints are playing. 6-1. and one. They just took care of business against the Vikings. Got a couple of big turnovers. Took advantage of it. Got 14 points off of it, including a pick six from P.J. Williams. The Rams have been very good this year. In fact, I don't think it's even arguable. They're the best team right now in the league. But there are a few things with the Rams that bear watching. The last couple of weeks, some real close games. Barely beat Seattle. Tough one against Denver. Did blow out the Niners, but I don't know how much credit we give for that. Very close game to the Packers. If, if Ty Montgomery doesn't fumble the ball, I, I 
would swear on my life, I, I, I think the Packers win the game. Okay. The Rams have been excellent offensively, right there with the Rams, right there with the Saints and the Chiefs, rather, in terms of the best offenses in football. That defense has had its issues. And going to the Superdome with a leaky defense is not a great recipe. Tlaib is obviously still out. There's just a lot of questions about can the Rams hold down a prolific offense on the road? They haven't had to do it yet. They've played the Raiders, the Seahawks, the Broncos, and the Niners on the road. None of those teams are big offenses. So I think the Saints win this game. And this is no knock on the Rams. The Rams are excellent. I think they're the best team in the league. I'll say it again. I think Big Bay is an up-and-coming superstar as a head coach. I love what Goff has done. I thought he was a little bit of a system quarterback coming into the year. He's, he's shown me something uh, far beyond that. Gurley is, is maybe the offensive player of the year. But every team loses a game. Every team loses two games. It, it's going to happen occasionally. And I think the Saints are going to come and keyed up. That place is going to be going nuts. New Orleans, I, I, I feel, finds a way to win. And look, if the Saints don't blow a game week one to the Bucs, we're talking about a team that's 7-0 and here. I mean, the, the Saints will be getting a ton of pub too. So give me the Saints to win this game. But, man, I think it's a great game. And, look, keep in mind, it's a big, big game potentially down the line here. This could have number one seed implications. Saints win their half game back. They had to buy the Rams. Haven't yet. But they both have one loss, and the Saints are on, obviously, the head-to-head tiebreaker. So, Saints win this game. Absolutely, they could be a one seed. Conversely, if the Rams win this game, who's catching? They'd have a virtually a two-and-a-half game lead on the Saints for all intents and purposes. They're going to win the division, okay? Carolina's not passing them. Nobody in the NFC East is doing it. Nobody in the NFC North is doing it. The Rams win this game to the one seed. Just lock it down. They lose this game. They might still very well be, but all of a sudden now the race is on. Uh, and I, I think the Saints will, will find a way. Sunday night. Rodgers, Brady, Packers, Pats in Foxborough. Patriots are favored by five and a half in this game. I don't know what to make of the Packers. Well, here's what I make of the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is unbelievable. The rest of that roster is not. But Rodgers is so good, he just drags a lifeless body across the finish line more often than not. I look at it and say, this is the kind of game where Rodgers against a bad secondary just goes absolutely berserk and throws for 450 yards. It's one of his toward-the-force games. And we say, wow. Just, you know, what an effort. This is why they're a Super Bowl contender. Then they'll turn around and lose you know, to, to the Lions and just get blown away by it. All that said, I've just got to take the Pats here. They're at home. They're the better all-around team. Brady's no slouch in his own right. And I think the Packers cover. Could even be a who-has-the-ball-ass situation. But I, I just don't trust the Packers in this game. I just I think they gave their best effort against the Rams off a of bye week. 
You trade Ha Ha Clinton Dix. You trade Ty Montgomery. This game goes one of two ways. Either the Packers come out with that same vim and vigor. They want to prove that they haven't given up. They want to prove that they're going to fight. And they get a huge win on the road on Sunday Night Football Foxborough. Or they are completely demoralized by that loss to the Rams. They are demoralized by the trades. And they get beat by 30. I think the Packers come out swinging. I think they play really hard. I think Rodgers single-handedly keeps him in the game. But I think the Pats find a way. Better coach. They're at home. Better personnel. I, I just think ultimately the Pats win this game something like 34-30. to 30. Uh, So give me New England at home. Take care of business. And then the Monday night game, uh, Tennessee at Dallas. Dallas is somehow a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me the Titans to cover this all day long. Dallas is no offense. I don't care about Amari Cooper. You know, this is another example. I mentioned Dante Fowler earlier getting way too much love. Way too much. Amari Cooper has been terrible for a year and a half. It, it's not even hyperbole. Like, he's stunk. He has 22 catches this year for 280 yards and a touchdown. You know how many guys can best that line this season? Okay, I'm, I'm looking at statistics right now. I'm going to go to a random team. I'm going to pick the Colts, okay? Chester Rogers has 32 catches and 295 yards with a touchdown. Guess what? He's better this year than Amari Cooper. The Cowboys traded a number one pick for crappy Chester Rogers. Congrats. That all said, I don't trust Mariota ever in any of these games. The game's in Dallas. I think Dallas wins it an ugly, low-scoring, 19-16 type of game. Give me the Cowboys to win, but my God, that Cooper trade, that ought to keep you up at night. Uh, so I think Dallas gets to 500, and I think the Titans fall out of it. This is kind of one of these... Whoever loses is done here. Okay, they're both three and four. The divisions they play in are both not good, but my God, you go to three and five, you're, you're, you're cooked. Uh, so give me, give me Dallas to win a, a close game, an ugly game, a game that makes us question our, our sanity about midway through the first quarter. So that is all the games. I'll leave with a, a final thought here as we go into week nine, the midway point of the year. And I'll kind of take a 30,000-foot view of it. Enjoy this season. Because this year has been a lot of fun. Last year, so many injuries to so many big-name guys. I mean, you, the list went on last year. Beckham, Watt, Berries. Rodgers missed a huge chunk of time. It was, it was in a war of attrition more than it was anything else. Carson Wentz, the Super Bowl champs, he goes down in December. It stunk. It stunk to watch all that. Most of the stars this year stayed healthy. And boy, it's been a lot of fun. The offenses have put up record-setting paces. We've seen big new stars come on to the scene. We've seen guys who were stars emerge even further, like a Todd Gurley. Uh, you know. Jamie's log, progressive. The Harrington's backyard, day four, two eighteen a.m. I've been camping outside the Harrington house for four days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. Mr. Harrington says I don't need to do this, since Progressive protects 24-7 is a pretty easy concept to grasp. But I'm going to stay and prove my point. Besides, there's a big tree branch over the roof, and I think it's planning something. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. I mentioned 
guys bursting out of nowhere like a Mahomes. It's been so much fun. And it's a, it's kind of a new order, you know? And, and, and it's that perfect mix of there's still that old group. Roethlisberger, Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, trying to hold on, trying to keep that monopoly on the NFL, on the, on the Lombardi Trophy. And then there's the new guys, the young guns, the Mahomes, the Goffs, the Watsons. It's a lot of fun. It's been a great year of football, and I hope that the second half of the regular season is as good as the first. We'll be here every step of the way. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our great partners at Fanatics. Go to fansided.fanatics.com. Get 20% off on your shipping if you use the code FANSIDED. They will take care of you. Anything from hats to jerseys to pants to pajamas to scarves. What you name it, they've got it. They hook us up all the time. They will hook you up. They are absolutely ideal to work with. And I think that you'd be very happy. If you need any kind of gear, hit up Fanatics. They'll take care of you. They'll do you right. Uh, and, of course, please... Uh, Subscribe on iTunes to Sack in the Box if you haven't already. Check out my column that comes out every Monday, 6 o'clock in the morning Eastern on Mondays on Fansided. Stack in the Box this week, I wrote about how Mahomes is having a year that we haven't seen since 1984. Um, and if you want to know more about that, go ahead and click on it. Check it out. Um, always appreciate the support. And go to Fansided, really, not just because I work here, but genuinely. Just great content all the way around. All the way around. Sports, entertainment. Uh, you know, any kind of pop culture you can think of. You know, we have we have great coverage over. You love Game of Thrones. You have Winter's Coming. Uh, check out Cultures or anything you could possibly want to read uh, with, with regards to the women in pop culture in the world. It, it's all fantastic stuff. And of course, we have all the sports coverage you can imagine at Fanside.com and all of our team blogs. So um, please give us a read and feel free to reach out to me. Email, Twitter. You name it. I'm always happy to interact. Uh, so that'll do it for this week of Stack and Box. Thanks for being patient as I uh, climbed off my uh, my horrendous illness for the last 48 hours and got back in the swing of things. We will be back. Both Hill and I will be on time next week, Sunday, right after the Sunday night game. We'll get the podcast up and rolling. But until then, for the absent Josh Hill, I am Matt Verdam. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you again this time later on in the week. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money.